0: Welcome to the final draft, Great Conversations podcast. Today is a special bonus episode of the podcast in memory of Frank Morehouse, who died last week, age 83. Frank Morehouse is a celebrated Australian author and essayist. He's perhaps best known for what what came to be known as his Edith trilogy, beginning with the novel Grand Days, but he wrote widely in literature and on issues of social importance. As we begin, I would like to acknowledge that here at Final Draft, we broadcast from 2SER, which is on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We record on the lands of the Darug and the Gunungurra people, and that we acknowledge the traditional owners of those lands. We acknowledge that these are unceded lands, stolen lands, and that there has never been a treaty made in Australia. Frank Morehouse was uh, a terrific writer, a favourite of many people, uh, who loved his way of capturing Australia and Australian identity, but also interrogating that identity. It was really sad news to hear that he died at the age of 83. And uh, I guess, as with many people, we, we celebrate the incredible work that we have to continue enjoying. And a little part of us, I guess, will always wonder what more there might have been. Uh, What I wanted to do was share today a conversation that Frank and I had about five years ago now. We were discussing an essay that he had written for, hmm, if I remember correctly, I think it might have been for Mianjin. might have been the Griffith Review on The Writer's Life. Frank joined me on the phone from his house in Balmain, and we had a good chat about what it means to be a writer. He talks about his literary career and knowing that he was a writer, as distinct from his days as a journalist, and I really appreciated the time he spent with me talking about this because I think it occupies so many of our minds, this idea of writing and, and what it means to identify as a writer and be a part of this grand literary culture that if you're listening to this podcast I suspect uh, has at least captured your mind, if not your heart. So join me as we celebrate and memorialize the life of Frank Morehouse.
1: It's probably best that the questions I come afresh to me.
0: Fantastic.
1: So I'll start doing homework in my head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, look, um, here we go. I will, uh, I will start us off. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. You are tuned into 2 R one hundred 107.3. My name's Andrew Popel, and you're listening to Final Draft. Mianjin is Australia's second oldest literary magazine, Founded in Brisbane in 1940, before moving to Melbourne, the magazine has published literary luminaries from Australia and around the world. And the latest issue features an essay from Frank Morehouse entitled, Is Writing a Way of Life? And if so... What is the literary life? Now, if you're not familiar with Frank, uh, look, we scarcely have time to catch you up on his entire library. Suffice to say, he's a leading light in Australian letters, a member of the Order of Australia for his service to literature, and won the Miles Franklin in 2001 for his novel Dark Palace, a part of the Edith trilogy, a fictional chronicling of the birth of the League of Nations. He's also joining me on the line. Welcome to Final Draft, Frank. I'm sorry I couldn't do your full catalogue. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, it was a very generous interview uh, introduction.
0: Thank uh, you. We would have we would have clearly run out of time because you you have such a, a career. I you know love to sit down and check through it all, but I, I really loved the question that you pose in your essay: is writing a way of life? It's undoubtedly one that many of our listeners have considered. I know I'm guilty of it myself, scribbling in my notepad. And your essay begins discussing your journey to becoming a writer, aspiring to the the great literary tradition. So, are you the answer to your question about a literary life?
1: <laughs> I had a friend over dinner. I told, was talking to him last week about, or whatever, um, about the uh, about the essay, and, and he said, "Well, is it?" <laughs> and I, I said. I said it's a bit, a bit like uh, Ho Chi Minh's reply to an interviewer who asked him what he, what he thought of the French Revolution, and he said it's not over yet. <laughs> <laughs> Look, really. Uh, so uh, yeah, actually, as I say in the in the essay, that um, that in fact it raised very interesting existential questions for me after 50 years. It's a question I should have asked myself, or maybe I did ask myself back when I was. 18 or whatever. Well, actually, I started. I left full-time employment when I was, I think, twenty twenty eight, 28, something like that. I'd been working part-time in journalism and and I'd been a journalist and and worked as an organizer and for the w, WEA and things like that. And I edited country newspapers. And but uh, in my my first book came out when I was tw- 28. Uh, Futility and other animals. And uh, it got great reviews, and I uh, I thought now's the time. I'd always wanted to quote be a writer unquote. That had been something that had formed in my head when I was, as you say, when I was a teenager. I published my first short story in the oldest literary magazine, which is Southerly, when I was 18, and um, and so I I launched. When I was 28, yeah.
0: And is is having it uh, as a as a way of life? I'm gonna I'm gonna say way of life in scare quotes there uh, because of this question. Is it is it simply a matter of making a living off it, or is there something more?
1: Ah, uh, yes, yes. In in many ways, I uh, from uh, quite an early age, I wanna, not only wanted to be a writer, but after I started publishing stories, I uh, and I. I I thought of myself as a writer, uh, although I was working as a journalist and I had an old uh, friend, a cadet friend, John Cantwell, and he also thought of himself as a writer. But we did never say this as cadet journalists. God, the chief of staff would have hit the roof. We would have probably been fired. And uh, and our other other cadet mates would have laughed at us. But but we thought we were going to be writers, not just not only journalists. And uh, so it was a uh, as I, outla- I explore in the essay, I explore the characteristics of that attitude, or that that, pr- that sort of approach to to living. and it's, uh, And it does uh, require some sort of uh, separation from the general run of life and to become not only an observer but an explorer and uh, And an explorer of self as well as as an explorer of the wider world, and it's a act of imaginative i suppose an intellectual inquiry that uh, does mark it off because it involves the imagination it's marked off from journalism and it's marked off from scholarship and it's marked off from other forms of inquiry uh, and it's a uh, it becomes a, a way of the mind as well as a way of life. Well, the way of life follows once you become published
0: and and
1: uh, people say, are you the writer? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's when you know.
1: <laughs> yes, that's when you know.
0: <laughs> in the essay, you discuss uh, that there are many things necessary to being a writer, enthusiasm, diligence, sincerity perhaps, <laughs> but, but none of these are since, uh, sufficient in themselves. Are there any crutches a prospective writer might lean on as they embark on their career? Anything that you think maybe is sufficient or to strive for?
1: Well, when you're young, young, or when you're beginning, people begin writing at all sorts of points in their life. Right? Um, and um, it's it's a it's a, 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 a sort of a vocation that doesn't require you to have a degree in writing. It doesn't require you to have any uh, essential training. Uh, but the I suppose that you have to uh, have to be uh, you have to continually ask yourself, uh, "Am I good?" <laughs> it, it goes on throughout your life. Mm. Uh, am i good enough and am i good and there are all sorts of invitations that the that the the world give you i mean it starts even at high school and when the english teacher says this is a very good essay and and you've got good ideas and and so the invitation to continue to take writing seriously starts then and then there are, you submit to un, as an unknown in my case Teenagers start submitting stories to literary magazines and other places, and, and then you get quote acceptance or quote rejection. One of the toughest words in the English language, and it's used for and used for, of course, when your work is is rejected, not accepted by a magazine or a publisher. So you look out, you look have to look for those sorts of signals that the society is giving you uh, about whether you want. Should, how seriously you should take yourself and how far you should go, but essentially all the good writers seem to have been conceived of as the way they were, as a way of being and a way of living and a way of, and that this was central to their lives. Mm.
0: In discussing the various styles and genres that go into making up? Our writing culture throughout the SAU, you, you note the success of, of things like cookbooks and gardening books and, and the like, and how they contribute to what you call the art of connoisseurship. And I love that, that phrase, and how this, in turn, this art of connoisseurship, further informs both writers and readers. And I wondered what changes you've seen in readership and perhaps cultural reception of writing in Australia through your career.
1: Well, yes, there's been quite significant changes. Um, one I- that I talk about is that, of course, that we, at some point, uh, uh, I think it was only about, say, 25 years ago or 30 years ago, maybe, uh, that uh, we started to buy and read more Australian writers than we were reading English or American writers. And that, w- that was a tipping point and suddenly more Australian books were being sold. And still, you know, we still buy a huge number of books from American writers and English writers and French writers, but uh, the uh, and even Asian, now Asian writers. Uh, the, uh, but that was a tipping point when we started to turn to our own stories and our own books. The uh, Yes, I, I, I'm glad that you picked up on the art of connoisseurship that um, that it was a it was another shift in in the Australian way of living. That um, we took an interest in gastronomy, we took an interest in gardening at, at a greater depth. We'd always been interested, but we t- started to go deeper and and in a, in a wider and more adventurous way in and, and uh, the arts of living, actually, and uh, crafts and and. Uh, travel uh, and so on, and these were these books are uh, wonderful contributions to in, to creating uh, uh, an, appro- an, uh, an approach, an exploratory approach uh, to to the daily life, to whether it's uh, de- designing a room or buying fabrics. I mean, we have uh, we have uh, we've we've become. Um, a richer country, There's, a more knowing country.
0: Yeah. There's a spin on the art of connoisseurship that I wanted to put to you, and that's, uh, I guess particularly in the online world, what we might call geek culture, things that once upon a time uh, might have been hidden or shameful or only for certain people who might have become social pariahs, like reading science fiction or reading comic books or or any of them, are now at at the mainstream. And I wondered if there's an element of Australia moving away from the the tall poppy syndrome and just embracing all of the things that excite us now. Yes, it's,
1: it's it's a much... I suppose the word Catholic, we're much more Catholic in our taste. We don't read comic books. We now read graphic novels.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I have many graphic novels. I don't know where all my old comics went.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, I can remember the... Comic. There used to be some superior comic books called the Classics. In probably the first graphic novels, of Dickens novels and Tolstoy's novels were done as comic books in my in my childhood. Mm. The uh, yes, it is um, it is a uh, a broadening of and deepening of our our ra- of our of, of ways of living and uh, and it informs fiction fiction uh, fiction. And an imaginative work imaginative the saying is it takes a hundred books to write make a book, and all our reading and all our knowledge of the world, a lot of it comes through all those wonderful books that are, are produced about on on how to the aesthetics if you like of, li- of life i don 't know uh, there's always been great examples uh, books that rise to the surface in all the genres um, there's there are, you know, one or two great cooking books everyone would know. Uh, there's The Art of Angling from, I think, 16th century, uh, 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 which it becomes a, a standalone alone book uh, that's working in other genres. And, of course, there are perhaps books like Sherlock Holmes stories and uh, detective stories that rise above, and, and it's the same with now with long-form television, some Series just are classic will become classics, and some books become classics in all genres. But they are uh, they are uh, examples of outstanding excellence in the genre within the genre. And there are I, I'm afraid there will always be tall poppies. <laughs>
0: mm. <laughs> it's just where that we try to cut them down.
1: Yes, oh yes. Mm. There's plenty of, of, of tall poppy cutters around. <laughs> in fact yes mm. more of those than there are tall poppies but anyway
0: of course will i get paid is one of the chief concerns anyone embarking on any career has to ask or will ask i was really interested in your thoughts on the economics of writing from the beginnings of a literary em- enterprise where the the writer may have no thought of the cost of the venture in time and the like the unpredictable process of publishing with no absolute certainty of return, and the various ways in which the public receive and recompense the artist for their work. Do you think we're doing a good job as a society of, of cultural consumers? Do we recompense writers adequately for their work?
1: No, no. And th- this lies as, a, as, a, as a, a theme of the essay, is that arts funding is in a mess. And um, uh, right across the arts, whether it be music, Painting and dance and theatre, and it's in a very big mess. There were attempts to. Uh, there have been various governments post Second World War uh, with the with the uh, Menzies government and the setting up of, of uh, cultural institutions. Actually, it goes back much further than that. But um, the attempt, the acceptance that the that the that the role, the role, one of the roles of governments is not only to to uh, nurture and, uh, and encourage excellence in sport and science and uh, research and scholarship, but also in the arts. And this has fallen away a bit. There are quite a few arts sceptics, I think, in politics on both sides of the, of the uh, political spectrum. But the, uh, the, the acceptance in most Western countries and, and other countries uh, has been for many centuries now that the arts are uh, an important part and a very a very unusual and strange part but sit, the art sits along science and scholarship as being parts of a civilized society and we in the last uh, I think the last uh, ten years maybe um, there's been a, uh, a neglect uh, and Part of this is because, uh, in the case of writing, I'll return just now to talking about writing, that the economic structure has, in many ways, collapsed. The royalty system is, ba- which was one of the main, used to be the mainstream income for a writer, that has collapsed because of the number of books available, tends to slice the readership pie smaller, but also the price of books in the last. 10 or so years and cost of production, by the way, has fallen uh, and books are are cheaper now than they've ever been and cheaper by about a third uh, over the last 10 years. So that the royalty coming, the 10%, has now been cut by a third, that source of income. Arts funding through grants and fellowships and research grants has been cut back and cut back and cut back. The freelance rate the payment that is by magazines and other publishers and uh, uh, for um, contributions from, from writers has also been stagnant now for at least uh, 10, 15 years. Uh, so that the the some of the essential features of, of um, the components of the, the economy of writing have fallen into disrepair. And uh, we, we need a... Uh, a rather sort of a smarter, more sophisticated government to say we've done, we're neglecting our duty here to the to the society.
0: Your idea of a cultural use index, I thought, was fascinating. As this mechanism whereby a writer could receive a return when their work is perhaps lent or borrowed, discussed, cited, even dreamt—yeah, even dreamt, yeah, dreamt about—I love it. And, and look, while while some of the finer points, like dreams, may be harder to calculate, I wondered perhaps if you're familiar with online music streaming services like Spotify, and whether that model. Might work, uh, whereby works could receive sort of a piecemeal remuneration when uh, when they are in some calculable way used.
1: Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Uh, the social use of, of the book is, of course, remarkable and and very strange. I mean, um, play, Shakespeare's plays end up in every speechwriter, every speechwriter, every rotarian, every. Good politician, ultimately quotes Shakespeare, mm. and uh, may even quote Henry Lawson or may quote Banjo Patterson. Uh, the uh, the way that, that writing, uh, and of course there's 500 years of books in mm. in a big queue. We're on the end of a big <laughs> queue here as writers are now. Uh, that these uh, that these books are studied, set in exams, used as uh, as so- sources for for theses sources for journalistic work uh, uh, for policy making uh, there there it, it it as I say i think it's a bit like the nutri, nutri- nutrients mm-hmm. of, of the soil that, that mm-hmm. produce beautiful roses and beautiful plants and and all sorts of things that writing is a is part of the uh, uh, unrecognized and un in terms of econ- economic terms this has not been properly recognised and, and we have to redefine I think the economy of writing to include and to recognise and recompense writers for the social use and I think you could have a, a it, it could be reduced to a string of boxes you know, have you know how many copies of your book are in the public libraries where people can read them for free? We get a small payment for that, but that would be one of the boxes you tick. And then, uh, are your books studied on are on reading lists? Yes, and tick tick tick. And do you go overseas? Does the government send you overseas? As I've just been sent overseas by Defat for two weeks to talk to universities and literary festivals in India. And this is called public diplomacy, and DFAT have programs for this. And of course, we get one of the rewards is to get one of these or to do this. And I've done it quite often. Uh, but that is a public service we're doing as well. I mean, uh, so there are many ways that writers interact and inform and enrich. And uh, and I think it can be reduced to an an, uh, an index and a, a payment uh, a payment. Yeah, same as we get a payment now for the books in the library.
0: Yeah, it strikes me, um, the economic concept that you're describing has parallels in the increasingly understood environmental uh, idea of externalities and the, uh, the idea that externalities need to be brought into the economic uh, system to fully take into account environmental uh, impacts. And so, a, a a power plant that pumps pollution into the air has yes. to pay for that, and and somehow we're not um, the, the the writing work isn't a pollution being pumped into the air, but <laughs> th- that that nutrient that you yes. described in the ground soil. And if we could somehow properly bring the externalities in, so many more profits the, yes, would flow yes, to the writer. That's a
1: good. That's a good parallel. <laughs> there are, um, I think, writers are third so tough on each other and on themselves. Some, I think, some of them, <laughs> Some books like we'd classify as pollutants <laughs> but, but yes no it's a good parallel that that of course uh, and i've just as i've outlined it that it can be reduced to an index
0: something for the listeners something for the policymakers uh the voice you can hear is frank morehouse his essay is writing a way of life appears in the latest copy of me which is on sale now frank thank you so much for joining me Thank you, Andrew. That was just a nice wrap up for the on air, Frank. Though, I really appreciate that. That was such a great chat. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate Bye. the time. I'll let you get back to your day. You probably need to have some brekkie or some lunch. And uh, it
1: was, yes, it you is. shaped it up very well.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. I, um, this will be on uh, on the radio tomorrow. You're in Sydney, aren't you? Yes, that's
1: right.
0: Yeah, yeah. so this will be on the radio uh, tomorrow. The show's from ten till ten thirty, and it'll yep, be online after the show. Bit. Yep. Oh,
1: good, th- you do a good show. Yeah.
0: I, that is. Sorry, I, I don't often get to hear that. Thank you. That was a very nice thing to say. I really appreciate that. Cheers. Right.
1: Well, you're part of the picture.
0: Ah, thank you. <laughs> the, That's... the
1: culture, the literary culture. You're part of it, yeah.
0: It's it's nice to to have that said. Thank you so much, Frank. Um, okay. Yeah. Hopefully, I get to chat to you again. I hear there's a new book coming. <laughs> oh, sooner or later. <laughs> sooner or later. I look forward Bye. to it. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye. That was Frank Morehouse speaking to me in 2017. We were discussing an essay he had written on the writer's life. And it's a really fantastic conversation. I'm so happy I get the chance to share it and and put it out uh, in perpetuity on the podcast. Um, It is a a sad loss that Frank uh, died last week. But we have his work to remember him. Thank you for joining me on The Great Conversations, the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. You can catch up on all of the incredible conversations that happen on Final Draft. I believe there's, there's some 200-odd conversations on the podcast at last count. My name is Andrew Popel. I will be back with more great conversations from incredible Australian writers very soon. Hit subscribe and uh, they'll just pop up in your feed. Till next time. Happy reading. Bye for now.